a Telltale Pod production. Spirit Bird by Jasbinda Belan Chapter 20 Everything is deathly quiet as I creep away into the blanketed dawn along the snowy path. I curl my numb fingers around one of the strips and pull it out. I stretch up to a branch and tie it in a double knot before hurrying on. I peer up into the sky, still semi-dark with the pinprick lights of stars shining through. With Jivan by my side, it would be easy to know the right star to follow. He always said the North Star was the one to navigate by. It's the one that never moves. And if Jivan can do it, so can I. His life depends on it. At the next clearing, I look up and choose the stillest star. Keep it ahead of me, just like he would and move forward. Blood pumps in my ears as I search through the icy mist. Pale fingers of early sunlight cast long, spiky shadows in the trees. What if the man-beast stories are real? I think of Nanaji, swallow my fears, feel my courage rise, and quicken my pace to find help for Jivan, tying the strips as I go. I keep walking through the shadowy forest, my eyes clamped firmly on the fading star, flashing furtive glances over my shoulders, invisible demons piercing their eyes into my back until I'm tired and hungry and my legs are close to buckling beneath me. I flop to the ground and rest against a tree, exhausted. I raise myself onto my elbows but can't get to my feet again. Asha. You can't stay there. Remember my words when you fell from the mango tree and lay in a bundle by the base of the trunk, refusing to get up? I cradled you, dabbed your knees with a clean cloth, and together we walked back to the house. I fed you milky kia between your sobs and told you the pain would soon be forgotten. But maybe the scars would stay to remind you to be strong when it happens again. Go on, little Ashi, go on. I push away from the tree, the final length of fabric ready in my pocket, and feel the rhythm of the pendant egging me on, the wild wind calling my name. Asha. I tug at the fabric and think of Jeevan. Overcome by his fits of fever and stagger through the craggy trees as rays of morning light creak through their branches. My heart is waking up, tapping at my ribs. When the trees start to thin at last, weak sunlight smudging the sky behind, I grasp the last tie with my frozen fingers and hook the fabric clumsily, lifting it slowly from my pocket twisting it to a branch in an awkward knot. Aching deep into my bones, I drag myself through the final stretch of forest, 
onto a wide plateau where coarse grasses stand to attention like ghostly snow-covered soldiers. And now the sun has risen, I'm sure I'll make my way back. The memory of Jeevan's face, fever-stretched and blazing, spurs me on, giving me the strength to keep tramping forwards, past trees, through tall grassy meadows, hardly stopping to rest until the sun is almost overhead, searching for a house, a goat, anything. I cup my hands in an icy stream that springs out of a cluster of rocks and take a long, thirst-quenching drink. I sputter the water out. It's faint at first, but I can hear the sound of goats bleating. I knew there would be farms out here. My heart gives a little skip. If there are goats, there'll be someone looking after them. I squint against the sun, but don't see anyone. I begin running in the direction of the bleating and putting my hands to my mouth, call out. Hey! Anybody there? My voice is a lonely cry echoing across a wide open land. Anybody? I repeat. But there are only the bleating goats. I run towards them, slowing as I get closer, and whistle, trying to entice one towards me. I grab at a clump of bleached grass and hold the offering in the palm of my hand. Come on, over here. A curious black and white one sidles up, nosing its way towards my outstretched hand. That's it. I'm not going to harm you. As soon as it begins to nibble at the grass, I hook my arm around the struggling creature to capture it. Its milk will be more than enough to make Jeevan better. I fling off my hoodie and twist the arm around the goat's neck and tightly knot it. Shh, I say full of hope, turning back in the direction I've come. I hurry onwards, pulling the goat with me, back across the uneven ground, passing through clumps of trees and meadows, full of grasses taller than my waist. I struggle up steep hills and cross trickling streams until the sun turns crimson and begins to lower in the sky. The journey has taken all day, and I feel my heart speed up as I think of what might have happened while I've been gone. I'm coming, Jeevan. Keep strong. I'm on my way. I'm worn out, but I wipe the hot sweat from my forehead and continue towards the forest and, at long last, reach its welcoming green edge. I cast a glance behind me and enter the darkening canopy of leaves, tugging the goat urgently. I begin scanning the branches for the first length of fabric that marks my way back to Jeevan. Low-hanging branches scratch my cheeks as I hunt frantically for the first tie, but the rippling leaves cast confusing shadows and I can't see anywhere. I rest a moment, tired and frustrated with the bewildered goat beside me, combing the branches for the swirl of red fabric that I tied this morning. And finally, I spot it, gently waving in the breeze. Oi! Oi, you! I jump. What do you think you're doing stealing my goat? A dog bounds up, snarling its teeth, barking ferociously. Behind it is a boy a couple of years older than me, wearing a wide-brimmed felt hat and leading a horse. I wasn't stealing it. I stand still as I can while the dog keeps barking, nipping, tearing the edge of my sleeve. <laughs>
The boy steps in closer. Well, it looks like stealing to me. I've been trailing you. He speaks in a strange dialect and I have to concentrate hard to understand him. My friend is very ill. He's got a fever. I had to leave him alone in the forest and find something to help him. Now, will you please call your dog off? The boy whistles and the dog releases its grip. Your friend? I don't understand your accent. He takes off his hat, revealing wavy shoulder-length hair. You're not from here, are you? I speak more slowly this time, my voice thick with panic. No, but my friend, he is sick. I found your goat and I was going to give him some milk to make him better. We've been walking a long way without proper food. I would have brought it back. Please, I need your help. The boy looks at me closely like he's trying to work me out. I hold my head eye. I sacrificed my hair in return for blessings from the god. My name is Asher. I'm Nahal, he replies. We're on our way to Kasare, to the temple. My ma went there once, he says. My baby sister was very ill, so she took offerings to the daughter of the mountain, to the source of the Ganges. That's what we're going to do, for my papa. I move closer to him. The place I left, him isn't far from here. Could I please give Jivan some milk and then you can take the goat home? I'm not sure. My family will be worried, he nods towards the setting sun. And it'll be dark soon. He pulls his rifle across his chest. I plead with him. What if he got so weak that he couldn't survive the fever? What if he's been attacked? I wipe my cheeks. Nahal stares into the gloom beyond the trees and then back along the path out to the forest, deciding what to do. I beg you. There's a long pause. Okay, he says, still sounding unsure. I'll come with you, but we must hurry. He ties the goat with a long piece of rope and secures it to the horse's bridle, then holds the horse steady while I slot my foot into the stirrup and hoist myself up. Thank you. Remember to duck under the low branches, he says, climbing up behind me and setting off. Deep-throated animal howls haunt the strengthening wind as we journey on. What's that? Sounds like a pack of wolves, he says, turning his head. M maybe they're missing one and are mourning their loss. A ball of fear tightens as I think of Jeevan alone. Can we go more quickly? As we trot along, hooves thudding against the ground, the howls sounding closer than ever, he twists the horse in the direction of the red ties, and each time I spot one, my heart gives a leap. I close my eyes and say a prayer for Jivan. Feel my pendant, gripping it tightly. Be safe, Jivan. Nanaji, keep him safe. We keep riding through the forest until we're on the final slippery paths with rows of pines that I recognise. The horse tosses its head, suddenly skittish, but the forest is eerily quiet. Jivan! 
I cry out, fear whipping through my blood as we draw closer. It's me! I'm back! Nahal pulls on the reins to control the horse, bringing it to a standstill near the edge of the clearing, stroking its neck soothingly. We dismount, but once we're out of the saddle, the horse whinnies and rears, yanking the goat with it as if it senses something we don't, as if it's trying to run away. My heart lurches in fear. Steady, boy, steady. Nahal holds onto the reins while I scramble towards the shelter. Something is wrong. And as soon as I burst into the clearing, I see it. Panic shoots through me like a bolt of electricity, and I scream a high-pitched, sharp cry from the depths of my soul. There's a tiger, prowling in front of the smoking fire, its amber-striped skin flushing golden in the setting sun, blood staining the corner of its mouth. That was another Tell a Tale Pod production. Remember that you can follow, share and find more of our podcasts at tellatalepod.podbean.com.